0: The Frontline Podcast is brought to you by Legion Technologies. Hourly employees want and need flexibility and predictability. They desire more connection and belonging with their peers and companies. And businesses want to maximize productivity while enhancing employee engagement to reduce turnover. Who said we can't have it all? The Frontline Podcast is focused on discussing the challenges that come along with having an hourly workforce and shedding light on these important employees who are so often overlooked you'll hear from leaders bringing transformational and innovative change to their organizations and ways you can improve your own experience and the experiences of your employees, no matter where you sit in your organization. At Legion, we believe that AI-powered workforce management solves these challenges. I'm your host, Tracy Chernoff, Director of Employee Engagement at Legion Technologies and the host of the podcast, Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources. Be sure to subscribe to the Frontline Podcast so you're the first to hear our biweekly episodes which will come out every other Thursday. Learn more at legion.co. Follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn and get ready to be part of the solution. Hi everyone. Welcome back to the Frontline Podcast. Thank you so much for being here for another episode. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, share this episode, share the podcast with anyone that you think will enjoy it. Um, this week's guest is Erin Deal. And I have to tell you, um, I interviewed Erin for my own podcast. I was on her podcast and we have really struck up a, a really nice friendship and aaron is probably one of the most incredible people that i've had the pleasure of only ever meeting online <laughs> um, we've never met in person but i can't wait for the moment where we do aaron is amazing she is thought-provoking and she takes a really interesting and new approach to team building and engagement and i think you're really going to love this episode so let me give you a little bit of background into erin so erin aka erin big Deal is a business improv edutainer. Yes, I did say edutainer. You'll learn more about that today. A failfluencer and professional zoombee. Through a series of unrelated dares, Erin created Improve It, a unique professional development company that pushes others to laugh, learn, play, and grow. Among her many accolades, Erin is most proud of successfully coercing over twenty six thousand professionals to chicken dance. Okay, this is what we are. We're serious here. We are going to be in for a lot of laughs today. I can already feel it. Erin is a graduate from Clemson University and a former experiential marketing and recruiting professional, as well as a veteran improviser from the top improvisational training programs in Chicago, including the Second City IO Theater and the Annoyance Theater. She has spoken on stages nationwide for all types of events and associations, including Disrupt HR, SHRM, Mac, and ATD. She's a member of the Chicago Innovation Awards Women's Cohort and graduate of the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program. She is also the host of the, uh, a proud host, I should add of the improve it podcast, which you can find anywhere you listen to podcasts, including where you listen to this one. And as I mentioned, I was on her podcast and it is an amazing podcast. If you listen, you will love it. And when she's not playing pretend or facilitating, she enjoys walking on the beach with her husband, son, and eight pound toy poodle. Big deal. Yes, her dog's name is Big Deal. That is her toy poodle's name, Big Deal, with two G's and big. So, without further ado, I know you're going to love this episode. Here is my conversation with Erin. Erin Deal. Oh my gosh, my friend, my confidant, my everything, you are back. I'm so glad we get to do this. Thank you so much for joining the Frontline Podcast. Oh my god, thanks for having
1: me on the Frontline. I'm so excited. <laughs> Tracy, any day I get to hang with you is a good day,
0: okay? Oh, likewise, I'm so glad we're doing this and I'm so glad that you get to share your wisdom and impart your wisdom on even more ears today. Thank you for being here. Yes,
1: yes, lots of wisdom in here. So get ready, (laughs) get Get ready,
0: (laughs) so much wisdom, so much wisdom. Can't wait. Um, Listen, I have some, some questions that I ask every guest that'll be at the beginning of this episode and at the end. So to start, to kick us right off, tell us about yourself. Who are you? Where are you currently located? And what do you do? Ah, uh,
1: great question. Who am I? <laughs> um, no, this I just sounded like my mother. So there's one thing. We'll start with my childhood. Um, no, I am Erin Deal. And I live currently in Charleston, South Carolina. So I've been here two years. Moved here during the pandemic because my family lives. So I live close to my mother, who I just imitated up front. (laughs) Um, She talks like this. Uh, So that was that was a big choice for us to live closer to family um, near the ocean. And I have almost three year old, which is crazy. Wow. So for him to be closer to his grandparents was so exciting. And I'm the founder of Improve It. And we are a professional development company, but we use improvisational comedy to train professionals on power skills. And this started as a child. I literally loved performing. I was performing since I was three. And then grew up just in theater and sketch comedy, dancing. And once I graduated with a communications degree, I said, wow, what am I going to do next? Well, the the logical thing, become Oprah. Um, (laughs) So I moved to Chicago, the home of Oprah and improv comedy. Started taking comedy classes and fell in love with it. And through that just saw the things in my life really start to change. I, I was in recruiting <clears throat> at the time that I got really specific with improv and my training. And I just saw everything in my personal and professional life shift because of this art form. So, Improve It was an idea that I got in about 2011 and then launched in 2014. And we have been going ever since and I will say we survived we didn't thrive during the pandemic but now we're back and back doing in-person work uh, as well as virtual and it's been a journey but there's no testimony without the test so I'm so happy that we're here and it's been it's been a crazy ride but I love what we do and I love that we're able to be back in person connecting with people and sharing this art form of improv to help people be their best selves professionally that's really what we do.
0: No, that's amazing. And thank you for sharing your career journey with us too, because that would have been my next question. So you answered it already. And I love that you are way ahead of the game. Um, I, first of all, the, the title of this episode is improving or improving a play on words, there engagement with a less than engaged workforce. And I remember when we first connected and you were navigating this like Zoom world and now you call yourself a Zoombie, which I love. Um, But I'm sure that being back in person just feels so right. Oh my God, Trace. Yes, it does. It feels so good.
1: And it's not to say that virtual can't work because it really can. And I'll tell you, I was the first, one of the biggest rules of improv is yes and. I was the first to dismiss virtual improv um (laughs) before 2020 but when forced into it by global pandemic we made it work and Mm -hmm. it has it has its pluses but really just feeling the energy of a room seeing aha moments in real life watching people's face just light up with joy and laughter and just feeling a room with positive energy there is nothing that I love more. Like it is Aww. so special. And the very first one we did post pandemic, I just walked out and I was like, nothing beats that.
0: Yeah, no, it's true. It's, I'm I'm starting to become nostalgic about all of those in-person moments that, like I'm fully remote, but those in-person moments that we have are so special. Yes. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. It's like, you want the flexibility of working where you wanna work. Um, But you also want to have those fun things and those moments of connection in person to really reconnect you and just connect you in general to the people around you. Yes. that. That is it.
1: I know. And we really didn't even, I'll say this, prior to March of 2020, I didn't really appreciate it as much. Yeah, I had to like take a step back. It's almost like reflecting on high school at the end of your senior year and you're like looking through a <laughs> yearbook on, right? <laughs> I think that wasn't my class song. I think that was my senior class song. And it was you know it was very interesting to look back and see what we created in person and um, and yeah. just reflect because I had not done it. I just kept pushing forward. Mm-hmm. And now that we're back, it's even more special. I don't take a single trip with my team for granted. I appreciate all the small moments, even the annoying travel that has mm-hmm. been as of late,
0: super annoying. The delays, the cancellation. Yes. The everything. Um,
1: yes. I'm like, okay, well, I'm still getting to do this. So yeah it's, yeah, it's been great.
0: No, that's awesome. And actually, I think this is a perfect way to segue into my first question. My first true question for you um which is again coming back to the title of the episode we're giving it away a little bit this idea of improv being the secret sauce to engagement in your world as i have put it here um can you expand on how improv became your method for engaging and connecting teams and and how you know even like the journey of like opening people's eyes to what improv can do for them
1: yes okay so it all started When I got back into improv, I was 27, and I remember walking back. I I'd started it in my early 20s, done some hosting work, was trying to be Oprah, came back and really decided I'm I'm focusing. You're Oprah to me. I'm Oprah. You're Oprah to me. (laughs) You're Oprah. We're gonna call her out, Jan Janerson. Yeah, Jan Janerson approved. We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. Um, so. Yes. So I walked into this improv class at Second City and I just felt this like release of judgment. I felt like this sort of shield that I wore to be this professional and to show up in a certain way at work and in life fall. Mm -hmm. And I was able to be my true authentic self. And that's a little weird. Tracy, you know me well now. I that's a little weird and I'm like I can embrace this weirdo, right? Like <laughs> I can be this yes. whole weirdo and it felt so good. And so I started to really lean into this play and then how this kind of came to be was I was working at a recruiting firm and my boss at the time knew how much I loved improv. I came up with this idea Through a friend of mine, she's an entrepreneur. We were sort of bouncing off ideas. I, she was running a program for women entrepreneurs. She asked me to join it. Said I don't have an idea. Well, the idea for Improve It came as I helped pilot her course, and I told my boss at my recruiting firm at the time, who is still to date the most amazing boss I've ever had. Mm. She is just. A fantastic leader. And she said, okay, well, what a fantastic idea. Why don't you pitch this idea to United Airlines, who was one of our clients at the time? So I did. And their head of talent acquisition said, I love this. Why don't you put together a workshop, pilot it, pun intended, to our team <laughs> and uh, and we'll give you some feedback. So I did that for a couple of sessions, a couple of different teams. And then it was like the moment that I started teaching in a professional setting. I said, this is it for me. This is where I'm supposed to be. I got chills. I felt all the vibes. Wow. And I said, this is who I'm supposed to be, and this is where I want to go. And so eventually, just kept leaning into this, and I told my boss I needed to go part-time. And then it ended up when I was part-time, it just started to – it was like a snowball effect. I went full-time and proved it. I left my recruiting job, but she was – the biggest cheerleader. She taught me everything I know about building a business, networking, uh-huh. connecting with people. And it just started to really take off. And what, why it takes off, why it's so awesome is because of that feeling from that very first day of walking back into an improv class. Hmm. It allows people's shields, the masks that they wear to work. And I'm not talking about the ones that we had to wear during the pandemic. I'm talking about (laughs) these masks that were like, I am this person. It takes those masks, it removes them. Hmm. And it allows people to be their authentic self, where they're in the moment, they're postponing judgment of themselves, they're postponing judgment of others, and they are reacting and they are interacting through play. So we, sounds mean, we kind of trick them into learning through laughter. And it is a beautiful thing to watch. I'm a witness to how it's transformed just me as a person, but I can literally bring groups of teams. So let's say you have a 20 person team. They will walk in 20 individuals and in two hours, they will walk out in what feels like one cohesive group, not 20 people, one cohesive group through interactive play
0: that's super powerful i mean this idea again behind connection it's so important every day but especially now when you have like distributed teams and remote teams and people over all over the world working differently with i mean it's just i can go on and on and on about how important that connection is and i love that idea of or that concept that People walked in as individuals and they left as a united team. And, and it's just so important because when you do go back to your home office or you go back to the store that you work in, you remember those moments and you feel connected to the people that maybe you're not seeing every day, but it's just so impactful. And and connection is like all we always talk about we've always we've talked about it forever before the pandemic we've talked about it through the pandemic and we're talking about it now and everyone does have an idea of or a different idea of what connection looks like so how do you adapt engagement strategies based on the way in which teams are working um and especially if they're distributed and and maybe this is potentially the first time they're all meeting together
1: oh my god yeah so Truly what we do is we get super specific with a client on their objective. So we say we don't measure the ROI. We measure the ROO, the return on your objective. So Mm. what is it that you want this team to walk away with? What is the, like how a movie has a log line? These are the two to three things that this movie is going to be about. What are the two to three things that you want this team to do, see, and feel in this session? And so... When we get that specific, we are able to really tailor to whatever the team's challenges are. We have 10 different workshops. We have all kinds of content. And every piece of content is able to be tailored to the group. Now, this is what you said, having people who are so, you know, now we have the majority of teams that we work with. They are fully remote and then they come together for offsites. Mm-hmm. or we've got people who are remote. They come into the office a couple of days a week. I have yet to in 2022 work with a team who is fully back in the office unless wow. you're a medical professional, right. unless we, you're a medical professional and. Um, It's so interesting. I mean, we just worked with a group of attorneys last week and they're like, yeah, now we work from home and go into court when we need to, you know? Wow. So it's just really shifted. Um, And we do this work virtually as well. So same rules apply, but it's really getting very specific on the needs of the team and the group and what the the leader or who is our client, Mm -hmm. what they want them to walk away with. And almost always... I I will say this, because improv is such a positive teaching tool, it is always positively received. And if I cannot get, if I can't change a person in two hours, I was just talking to a colleague of mine about this. If somebody isn't receptive, Hmm. I make sure that I am focusing on what I can do, what I can bring, and that's all I can do. But Mm -hmm. we it's almost, there's a saying in improv, if you're not having fun, you're the jerk and you can insert any other name for the jerk there <laughs> that you want. So right. it's like, if you and I are at a party and we're just living our best lives, which I'm, Trace, when we meet in real oh, life, this will yeah. be, this will be us. We'll be yes. laughing in the corner <laughs> with, with the cheese. Giggle squad, the right. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you're in the corner laughing and everybody's having a great time, but then Susie is over in the corner sulking. Mm-hmm. It's like, Susie, that's your choice, right? Mm -hmm. So usually in a group, almost always we can, if there is that one person who's not joining in on the fun, by the end, we have kind of embraced them through love and support and brought them into the conversation. Um, But every, every team's challenges and needs are different. I do see a lot of themes, but it's really just asking the right questions to get to what are their problems so we can help solve them.
0: That's wonderful. I love that you talk about bringing in that person who is, you know, kind of outside of the the group there and that you bring them in with love and support because it's so easy to have that pack mentality sometimes when you're all having fun and then you're like, well, why is Susie in the corner? What's going on? But rather than focusing on the negative attributes there, it's like, okay, well let's just keep working to bring them in. And that like brings such strength to, uh, uniting a team yes. i mean there's so much value in that i love that i love it can i say one thing about that yeah. this just reminded
1: me of a story so I, I told you i have a three-year-old almost three and he played soccer shots which isn't real soccer <laughs> um but one of his little friends would kept going off to the side and like standing off to the cider names bonnie mm. and so jackson just in his three-year-old self saw Bonnie off to the side and went and grabbed her hand and brought her back to the soccer field. And he did this multiple times. And that metaphor for me is really what we do. It's like, It's okay that you want to stand in the corner. We all have bad days, but we're going to take your hand and we're going to guide you back so gently. And we're going to make you feel like you are loved and supported and you're going to play with us, right? Because we want you there. And it's not like we're there to embarrass anybody or make people, you know, stand on stage and bark like a dog. We are all (laughs) in this moment and together. And that's why improv to me is the most magical teaching tool because it's so cohesive it's so group focused that Mm. you embrace everyone through positive energy and positive play.
0: I love that. And what a sweet story too. I'm, I'm not surprised, Uh um, you know, just based on what I have heard and what I see on your, on your Instagram. Um, but I, I, that is a really nice metaphor actually for just how teams can understand different people because yeah. not everyone is going to be like you and me, rah, rah, and so excited about everything. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and actually sometimes people just need that extra validation and extra support. And actually that is also a great metaphor for how we adapt leadership styles too. Some people need more of a hands-on approach and some people might not. And and uh, it sounds like your son uh, really took it upon himself to lead in a way that he felt comfortable. And that's so nice. I love that story. Oh my God. Yeah, I was like a
1: proud mom. I mean, there's yeah. many teenager moments. And so, you know, this is like one that I'm like, oh, but it really <laughs> was. And it was so endearing from the parents' yeah. perspective. We're all sitting there like, oh my God, you yeah. know? That's that's, that's the stuff that
0: that the TikTok influencers are constantly trying to capture because yes. that's
1: the stuff that goes viral. I know, I know. You just As made me should. think. As I'm sitting here, I'm like, should I? I gotta talk to Bonnie's mom. Should yeah, I? Yeah, re- stage it? it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, no, yeah. I have it on video. I ha- oh, you have do? Yes, oh, you got it. Yeah. You
1: gotta call Mrs. Have, Bonnie up. I gotta call Mrs. Bonnie. Well, and I also have a, a separate Instagram for Jackson that's very private, and it's yeah. like nope, he doesn't follow anybody, but it's it's on there. But oh. I got to talk to mom. Oh, you should.
0: Yeah, you maybe should.
1: Because it's so You sweet. could put like
0: little emojis over their faces if you want to. Oh, that's too. a good idea. Yeah. That's a smart idea. Yeah. Privacy is like okay. You can have a viral moment with a private moment. I think. Okay. I like that. I like yeah. where you're at with that. Put it under an alias. We know someone very successful with an alias, Jan Janderson.
1: Jan Janderson, you're coming up on every recording Tracy and I do together. <laughs> Everyone.
0: Everyone. Everyone. Follow her on Not Sherm Approved on Instagram. That's it. Um, Moving right along with my questions here for you, because uh, clearly the listeners are going to see that we could chit chat all day long. And I'm always here for that. Yes. Um, but here at the frontline, we are always focusing on the hourly frontline employee population, hence our name, the frontline. How do you see frontline hourly employees benefiting from the improv and the work that you and your team are doing?
1: Yeah. And I saw this, you know, Thank you for sending me some cues before. <laughs>
0: I was thinking about
1: this because it's interesting. All of so I have 3 full-time W2 employees. Awesome. I have 27 1099 hourly co- contractor employees. Wow. So um and of the 27 um all but two have been with me for four plus years. Wow. And some of them since we started, a lot of them actually, since we started most from 2016 on. So that is a big topic for me. I want them to feel as loved as possible. Although I know this is not their full-time job. They have many things that they do. I want them to feel like this is a safe space where everyone is welcome, where they belong, where they feel seen, heard, valued, valued which is like one of the massive tenets of improvisation, yes and, right? So Mm -hmm. postponing judgment, adding to people's ideas, making sure all voices are heard. So I think it's so important for frontline people to feel as though they are a part of the team and it is a in a leadership seat, it's really hard because it's easy to just say, oh, well, they'll work when the work is here or when we need them, or they'll do, you know, this contract assignment and then be done. But Mm -hmm. those people know people. Mm -hmm. And those people tell people about their experience. Yes. And you are only as good as your last hire, as you allow people to feel in your presence. That is your, that's your business card. So I want to make sure Every single one of those people feels like they belong here. So a couple things. Is it okay to mention things that we do to engage them? Yeah. I don't know if this is part of your question, but I'm just gonna throw yeah, it in. Yeah, tell us. Tell us. I've really thought long and hard about this. So one of our mascots is the chicken. And mm-hmm. you know that, and it's part of every workshop we do. Anytime you hear the word improv, we literally chicken like dance. chicken dance. Yep, <laughs> and it's like a, a calling card. We use. I have above me right now. I have a bin filled with chickens with legs and sneakers, so it's like a big part of our team. It's our mascot, and it's part of everything we do. So, um, we've we've successfully, coursed uh, twenty eight. Thousand more than that now, more than 28,000 people to chicken dance. And um, wow. it's been a journey. But so with that, um, at the end of every workshop, we tr- we crown and improve it chicken champion.
0: Oh my gosh. And so
1: for our frontline workers our, and contractors to help lead and facilitate our workshops, we created a chicken champion of the month. So it used to be of the year and we used to have everybody vote on who, uh, this was like back before the pandemic. Every month we would have the facilitators vote and say who they thought really did a great job, who sort of got comfortable with the uncomfortable as a facilitator, who they saw really step up. And at the end of the year, whoever won the most amount of times or got the most votes would be the chicken champion. They would be given $500 to go do something that made them feel comfortable with the uncomfortable. Why we did it on an annual basis was when we had all of our facilitators in the same place. So all of our people were in Chicago. Now, because we're so distributed and we got people in New York, Chicago, LA, Charlotte, North Carolina, we do a monthly. And so it's just, we recognize, we ask people to tell us who they've seen really step up in sessions, go above and beyond. And so we recognize them in a monthly newsletter and each one of them gets a $25 gift card to go do whatever makes them Feel valued, whatever makes them feel comfortable with the uncomfortable, because that's really what our mascot, the chicken, is all about, getting, getting outside of your comfort zone. So finding things that are relevant to your brand, your values, which is, again, that's one of our values, and recognizing and appreciating mm. your frontline workers, I think goes a long way.
0: I agree. And actually this was going to be my next question and like what leaders can do to better engage their hourly employees. And I think that's a really good tip. And, and I think one thing that leaders can do in addition to that is just like ask the question, what are your frontline employees looking for? What do they need? Yeah. And if a lot of the times it, it is that appreciation and recognition because they are in the weeds, they're doing all of the work that leaders, did maybe in their past that, you know, there, maybe you, you, forget a little bit about what that looks like. And so I love this story. I think it's amazing. First of all, that you have such an expansive team and, and that you have, you know, your full-time employees, we also have contract employees because they are different and they have different needs. And when we think of frontline, whether it's retail or in small businesses or whatever that looks like, um, they all have different needs, but they're at the end of the day, employees still want, all of the same types of things. We all want to feel appreciated. We all wanna feel recognized, et cetera, et cetera. So I love that. And I love the chicken of the month idea. Thank you. Thank you, it's been fun.
1: And let me say something to that too, cause we have, I have um one of my teammates who is a contractor. She has been with me since day one. She is wow. our director of talent. She is literally everything. She's helped hire and train all these people. I, when you said, you know, ask them, what do they want? I have asked her multiple times to come on full time. And oh. for her, it's, her, it's a personal lifestyle choice.
0: She, she wants the flexibility. She wants she to work does. when, when she's needed and not 40 yes. hours a week. And she is oh, very no. into
1: fitness. She's, you know, she's riding a pilot right now. She's wow. got, you know, a couple other things that she loves doing. And this for her, she loves this work and will continue to do so. But really me listening to her has made her the most engaged frontline worker that we have. She literally, and she is the face of a lot of things that we do. And so it really is that empathy and really listening to their needs because what works for her is not gonna work for Jenna, who's my director right. of client experience, who is in the office every day. It's just, so it's yeah. it's really recognizing that and understanding what makes each person motivated totally, and, and kind of going from there.
0: We talk about that a lot, not only on this podcast, but also at my company at Legion Technologies, we talk about flexibility a lot and that mm. people just want agency over their lives. Like That's if some, some people want to work, 7,000 hours a week yep. and some people want to work 12 and yep. that's okay. It's all about figuring out how you meet in the middle and where, where the business needs and the employee expectations and needs kind of converge. So I love that. And I love that. She is like, thank you so much, but actually I'm good. Yeah. I'm cool. Totally.
1: Totally. And it's, it's been interesting to watch because her role has just evolved so much over time. In some weeks, Like we were just in Nashville together last week. She's like, I'm so tired because we've had her on the road a lot and working on workshops. And so now she has like a couple of weeks where we're just meeting once or twice a week. And it's so nice, you know, it's nice for her. So it's really it's and that's individually, I think, what you need to realize about yourself, too. As as a leader myself, I really try to recognize what works for me Mm. does not work for everyone.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's a hard realization. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and you know, it's something that like you always continue to evolve and learn yeah. because I don't think you like learn that once and then it's always ingrained and you, You. it's almost like rebuilding your skills because you have to constantly shift the way that you work with specific people and the way you lead and all of that. It's, it's a, an evolution every day. Namaste.
1: On that. <laughs> namaste. Namaste. I hear that. I know it is. And I think that we evolve as people for not evolving. You know, what are we doing? And I think uh, looking back on some of the leadership styles that I had in the early days of Improvement, I'm like, thank God people mm-hmm. are still with me today. <laughs> Old Aaron, man. Oh, shoot. I'm,
0: you know, I'm sure you were still great. Oh true. Right, but you right. know, there's always you know, that's why progress is good. It's always good to improve it. Ah, oh, you see oh, what I, I see did, what there, right? you did there. <laughs> I like
1: that. I like
0: that. Pun intended. Pun intended. Fully intended, yes. Yeah. Um, so I only have a couple more questions for you. And the last one is like totally philosophical. So this is my last, mm. you know, hard-hitting question for you today, Erin. Thank you so much for being here again. You always talk about this, and and you even talked about it already earlier, that bringing levity to the table is one of the major ways to have success in team building and engagement strategies, which is, again, more important in my opinion now more than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, how can leaders do this in a way that is authentic and builds um, on their unique company culture, because every company is different. Some companies are going to love everything and and others might not. So how do they like take what is true and authentic to their culture, but still bring levity into this strategy?
1: Yeah. And I really like what you said. It doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel inauthentic. And I yeah. I truly believe that comedy and levity comes from It's not like throwing out a one-liner punchline or, you know, telling a knock-knock joke. It is reacting to the thing that was said last. It is allowing that sort of you bring a brick, I bring a brick, I put another brick down, you put another brick down by the end, we're going to build a house together. Mm. That's comedy. So like one way to just, it's so easy and it's free, is to listen. To what your people say and then add something to it. And if it makes them smile, even better. Yeah. And that right there, not only does it build trust because people feel heard and valued, what it does is it allows you to be reactionary in the moment and present because That's the, that to me is how levity exists when you're genuine in the moment, you know, you have a girlfriend who, and I feel like you and I've gotten there before, like you have serious (laughs) belly laughs and it's like, and you can never replicate those belly laughs again because Uh you're so giggly. Like whatever happened will never happen again, but it's just like in that moment, you're laughing so hard at the thing that you are reacting to those moments of pure, just play and reactivity. Can only happen once. And that happens when you take a step back and you really listen. So, yeah, putting down the distractions, closing a million tabs on your computer when you're in a Zoom meeting or you're, you know, actually in person with a person, putting the phone down and just being fully present will allow the levity to occur. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome when like when i was talking about those belly laughs like you and i right there we were both kind of smiling and giggling together cuz we thought about a time where we had that moment and something yes. may maybe happened recently that makes you smile and brings joy to your face and really that moment is what people will remember that's the that's genuine moment and it's always you know that saying people don't remember what you said they remember how you make them feel I mean, I'm thinking about to this weekend when I had friends in town and we were just crying laughing over a stupid game of horse and basketball. I was like, thinking
0: of a very – yeah, I had fr- we had friends in town also when we were playing a card game yes. uh, of mature nature. And uh, it was hilarious. Yeah, it's exactly. true. Yeah. When you and get that like- laugh – you and it's because you were genuinely playing that
1: card game yeah no one was on
0: their phones yes yes
1: same and same we were we were so focused on this silly game that we were I mean I haven't laughed that hard in forever but that's as leaders really what you have to do is like put away the distractions put away the noise just focus on the other person and the levity will follow it really will
0: I love that. I know I'm like thinking about these laughs that I've had and I can think of, and we've definitely been there. I think even on your podcast, we had a few hearty laughs, Mm -hmm. hearty Mm -hmm. laughs, Mm -hmm. which I'm going to have to put that um, link in the show notes because it's a worthy listen.
1: Oh my God. I loved having you on the show. I mean, I any I told you, any day I get to talk to Tracy is a good day. Because, and it's like, okay, so think about that just right there. You are like sunshine to me and I feel like I want to go towards the sun,
0: right? You are my sunshine. You are my sunshine, <laughs> you know?
1: But it's like, you're a magnet. I'm like attracted oh. to the good energy. And so- I'm really big on that as a leader. If you put the good energy into you, you'll be able to put that good energy out. And when you put out good energy, you can magnetize a culture where people feel seen, heard, and valued.
0: There's nothing more to say. Mic drop. That's it. I mean, I might be writing a keynote on that (laughs)
1: very topic. I don't know. I don't know. No, you really should. I really am. I really am. Oh, you are. It's really fresh in the brain right now. I can't wait to
0: be able to hear it hopefully somewhere at some point recorded. Oh yeah,
1: I will. I will. You are getting a, you're going to get a, f- I need you as like part of the
0: pilot audience.
1: Okay. I'm I need, here.
0: I can be a little feedback friend. Okay.
1: Thank yeah. You. I'm going to, I'm really like, you're the audience of one right now. I just came up with this
0: uh, idea. Great. So, done. Okay. <laughs> All right. Come in. See you there. <laughs> okay. Tracy,
1: it's just you and me. I'm doing this thing. You. No, I'm going to maybe, I should do that with a small group. So anyway, but yeah. that's really it. It's like energy is what people are are attracted to and what, you know, if you want to engage going back to frontline workers, Mm -hmm. that is it. People, they have a million other choices. They could work because they are not, they don't belong to this company, but if they choose to keep coming back, it's because there's been some sort of magnetic force, sunshine, whatever you want to call it, that keeps reeling them back in.
0: I love that. And You know, my final question for you again, philosophical, it's something we ask every single guest that comes on the podcast. And that is what is the best advice that you've received that you continue to live by? It can be work advice, personal advice, whatever comes to mind.
1: Yeah. And so this is really easy for me. It's like the saying I always say, if I'm scared or if I'm nervous or whatever, it's like no risk, no champagne. And (laughs) it's also from there's also one other I have. You remember on Home Alone when he's about to, like, go back in and the robbers are there and he goes, this is it. Don't get scared now.
0: I love that moment, too. He really talks himself up. And what a what a series. What a
1: series. But it's those two kind of mean the same thing for me. It's don't don't get scared by the risk. I'm doing something every single day that I haven't done before. And if I haven't had a day where I've, if a day is repetitive and monotonous, then I'm not succeeding. And truly for me, that is what improv is all about getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. So I constantly have to live out that mantra and that idea that if I don't take a risk, there's going to be no reward. And For me, it's champagne. I love champagne. I love Sauvignon Blanc. You know, I love like a moment. But it's like, if you don't do this, there can't be the celebration. And we're going to celebrate. And even if you fail, you can still celebrate. Like I say, fail, yeah. yeah. this sign behind me, fail, yeah. Because really, those failures are our greatest gifts. And by risking and taking a leap and going the road less traveled, all these metaphors that you want to say, it's like, you are able to really expand yourself. And even if you don't succeed, you're going to learn something in that process. And if you do succeed, you got a nice glass of bubbly there to celebrate.
0: Totally. Oh, I love that. And I love that it's not time bound. It's like, yeah, no risk, no champagne. Doesn't say that it it doesn't mean that you're not going to take some time to get to that reward. Right. But when you get there, you're going to celebrate. And I love that. And honestly, I think, um, I, I think that I will now take that advice and keep that fully in the front of my brain.
1: Oh girl yes, and then call me, we'll we'll do a zoom, we'll do a little bubbly.
0: Okay. Yeah, when I love you've that.
1: Celebrated whatever it is that you risked. I, I I'm ready. Truly a friend of mine. I didn't come up with that. A friend of mine did. I don't know if he came up with it, but he was inventing a product that was on QVC and mm-hmm. he said that and it was really it to be honest, like it it had some flaws. But he kept saying it and it really stuck with me. And I've used that mantra every time I feel scared.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Aaron, for joining the Frontline Podcast community and family and for being one of our very first um, podcast guests in our first season. So thank you so much. I know you're a busy, busy, busy person, um, but we loved having you on. I know I will always do anything to get you on any podcast because you have so much knowledge and wisdom to impart on us. Thank you.
1: Oh my God. Thanks for having me. And same for you, Tracy. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.